you. This is Cruise Radio Rewind. Real reviews from real cruisers. Going to go back about seven and a half years for Cruise Radio Rewind today, all the way back to January of 2012 when the Costa Concordia sank off the coast of Italy. And uh, Ian was on the ship when it happened. We had a chance to interview him right after the accident, and he gave a really compelling story, and he told everything from the first initial impact when the ship hit the rock and it you know, made this 160-foot-long gash on the side of the ship to boarding the lifeboats to looking back on it and what that whole process was like. It's a really good interview. But I want to unpack this a little bit just before we get to Ian. So Costa Concordia, it was leaving Rome. And if you, you're probably wondering, well, what kind of ship is that? It's comparable to Carnival Splendor. So same size ship there. It was leaving Rome and heading to Savona on a seven-night Mediterranean cruise. When the captain took the ship off course because one of the officers on the ship was from the island of Giglio, so the captain diverted the course to go closer to Giglio to do a sail-by. Doing so, he hit this rock. It made a hole in the side of the ship, and then uh, kind of things went downhill from there. Now, this captain is a complete disaster. He got charged with, looking back, 32 counts of manslaughter, um, abandoning ship because he said he fell into a lifeboat, and then he got charged with causing a maritime accident. So he's locked up for 16 years now. So that's pretty much the story in a nutshell. Now we'll get to the interview with Ian Dunoff. He was a passenger on board Costa Concordia when it went down in January of 2012. Ian Donoff from Southwest London was a passenger aboard the Costa Concordia, and we're very lucky to have him with us now. Thank you so much for being with us on Cruise Radio, Ian, and uh, appreciate you sharing your story. First of all, who, who were you with on that cruise? Janice and I were on our honeymoon. It's the second time around for us. My late wife died some four years ago, and I met a lovely lady, a lawyer. Um, and we and we in fact um, you know went on this cruise as if she wanted something that I didn't do we go abroad quite often but I hadn't cruised before I usually get fairly seasick on small boats which is no problem with a large boat like this (laughs) all right so tell us all about what happened that evening yeah what it it was was um, no, some people actually were still having dinner. We went to, in fact, uh, we were offered a, a, a meal at one of their more exclusive eating uh, locations, uh, where in fact we're only, you know, sitting next to the captains. The captain was having a meal there. But um, we then finished early, and they had a some sort of uh, show. Um, it was a magician show. Uh, quite a well-known magician in Italy, or whatever it was, was doing right. a show. And in the in, in, and in the big auditorium, which can seat about two thousand people. Um, quarter of an hour in, that's 9.45 in the evening, he came up, he did a very good introduction for a few ten minutes, went down into the audience to get somebody to help him, probably going to sever his body in half or something like that, <laughs> and then he disappeared. I mean, he did, this wasn't magic. Right. He just disappeared. He heard the crunch noise that I heard, that the lights went out and emergency lights went on, and people at that lower deck then rushed out to back to their rooms pretty quickly. There was a, a, a um, an announcement on the tannoy saying that it was a generator fault. The captain advised generator fault. There's no need to panic. Generator fault's no problem, you know. But then I saw more and more people leaving the auditorium and that the mixer desk and everything, no power to it. I said, you know, they're going to get, this going to be ages. Let's go back. As we were going back, we saw people sort of poking out of their staterooms and deciding should they put on their life jackets and this sort of thing. 
So we thought, well, perhaps we should go into our, our room and, and put on our life jackets. And as we were doing so, in the emer- just a single emergency light that there is um, that we could make out, we thought, well, hold on a minute. Whatever we do, we're going to go outside on an outer deck to get a lifeboat. It's going to be bloody cold even if we don't get on the lifeboat, if everything is sorted out. Right. But meanwhile, they hadn't called for any evacuation or anything. There was no emergency signals, as uh, we had learned from the video that we first saw when we first boarded in uh, Barcelona. Right. So um, we then went out on deck. We actually took our passports you know, some credit card. Good, smart. And, uh, and, um, and my camera, because I, not to take photos on this situation, right. but, of course, it wouldn't really, but of course, all the, all our memories of our honeymoon right. were, were on it from the different places we'd visited. So, there I was, armed, thinking that it will be a, you know, perhaps to be a localized problem, but then, the boat started going to one side, oh, and no. then, going over to the other side, and we're getting worse and worse, about 25 degree angle. So this is not normal. Something's a problem. And why have we stopped? A big cruise liner with a generator oh, problem man. doesn't stop. I don't believe that. I said, but I thought, hold a minute. A generator is run, is run off probably the same motor it does, a, you know, that gets the ship going. So, you know, something's amiss somewhere. When we got to the muster stations, as they call it, on, on deck, they didn't know what to do about head counts to get on the life rafts and that sort of thing. And it took ages to get on, about an hour or so, to get on to the actual lifeboats, you know, which are motorized and goodness knows what state of the art. Right. But we were then now at a very um, acute angle. We were up in the air, as you've probably seen by the photos. The yeah. bit that's up in the air it doesn't allow, gravity doesn't take over. It doesn't allow for the lifeboats to fall um, into the water. And when 136 people were in our our lifeboat and nothing moved, couldn't get it off. Everybody then had to get off gingerly. But meanwhile, the angle was certainly more than 70 degrees. Um, You know, the angle that you see in the photos now. And the deck being painted a nice, I don't know, um, with a, a nice uh, polyester paint was like an ice rink at that angle. Oh, you kept on falling on the inner wall. It, as it worsened, of course, it, it was impossible because we had to, we, we didn't know what was going to happen. If the boat sank and we were in this deck, which was co- a covered deck apart from the access to the lifeboats and sort of uh, areas of, uh, you know, uh, viewing um, gaps, you know, we wouldn't stand a chance. So somebody found an elector. There were certainly the staff didn't know what to do. They couldn't improvise. They didn't know what to do, but somebody thought the idea, let's get a ladder and put it up through so we can actually go on the outside hull. Now, when hundreds of people, uh, have to inch themselves along as it were over the windows of the dining room, which were the wall, effectively, they were sorting through. They, they were walking on, and then get up this ladder. And this from a sort of how people managed, I don't know. I don't recall. It's one of those things you blot out in your life. Right. You can't recall how you actually get up that ladder. There was pushing, shoving. There were. You know, my new wife lost her shoes in the process, but carried on upwards. When people got out on the hull, as it were, and waiting for further things to happen. 
Um, we saw lots of life, you know, the local um, lifeguards, whatever it is that they have um, around. Um, and we saw them with their boats. But um, we thought we'd be all right. You know, it was a tranquility that set over, which is interesting because everybody was uh, bestial, as it were, trying to get up that ladder and uh, not allowing others to go before them. And so, therefore, there wasn't much uh, gentility. Uh, men were pushing off women, goodness oh, knows what, you know, to get to, to, to you know to get up quicker. But once people were up, the I think it was the um, the authorities uh, got up a rope ladder right up to where we were, which is about five stories in height um, from where we had to get down to the sea level where they had their uh, safety rafts and small boats for us to get on. And gingerly, people had to get on their backsides and go forward on this rope and then turn round as the, you came under the bow of the uh, ship to then drop onto the uh, boats below, which were transferred to another boat and then onto that small island. But um, that takes an interminable amount of time, unbelievable amount of time, because some people aren't agile, not used to ladders, not used to doing it this way, and any minor slip would have meant certain death. Yeah. So it's a, it was a miracle that nobody fell. It was wow. a, but, of course, everybody was gingerly going down, which, of course, is a slow process. Um, we were in the last hundred to actually get off the boat. When we got and transferred, you know, everything seemed okay. I know y'all were at the show when all this went down, but were you getting any reports as to what was going on in the dining room? The dining room was a crazy place, somebody told me. Um, it's a two-tier dining room with a central atrium in the middle. That means you're over, you know, there's a balcony area and you're overlooking other diners. Um, when the angles, of course, went crazy, you know, crockery, cutlery, and goodness knows what went cascading and oh, yeah. injured quite a few people. Let me ask you, uh, uh, Ian, initially the sound that you heard, can you describe while, when you were in the auditorium watching the magic was, show? Yeah, it was, it was like a crunch. Imagine a large crunching sound. Um, I mean, I didn't know what that was, but it wasn't. It wasn't deafening, but there was a definite loud crunch. And it sounded. Uh, it, hit, hit it, it sounded out of the ordinary. It was definitely. Uh, well, it's a house it sound we haven't heard yet. Yeah. Wow, that's really. I guess the question I got to ask you now, Ian, though, is: uh, Would you ever consider cruising again? Yes, I would. I suppose. You know, when you hear people get run over by crossing the road, doesn't mean you'll never cross the road again, what does it? But I do think, I mean, my thoughts are that the safety standards will have to increase. All right, Ian Donoff out of southwest London, a passenger aboard the Costa Concordia. God bless you. Glad you're okay, and thank you so much for making time for us to uh, share your experience. Bye. Oh, bye-bye now. Sitting here listening to this interview, this is the first time I've heard it since 2012, and it just brings me back to when all the chaos was happening around this event. But the good that also came out of it, like the cruise ships have to do the lifeboat drill now before departure. Uh, as far as voyage planning goes, it takes more than just the captain 
to deviate a course, someone back on shore has to check off on that. So there's a check and balance system there as well. And just a handful of other things that we could spend a whole show on if you want to hear some of the changes that were made after Costa Concordia. But with that said, I'm going to let you go. Thank you for being here and making Cruise Radio Rewind a part of your day. And we'll talk to you on Thursday. Take care. Today's show is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash cruise. Choose from over 150,000 titles delivered straight to your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or tablet at audibletrial.com slash cruise.